Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, hey, welcome. It's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast time. Listen to that in a studio this week. That's right. That's right. So much to get into. So we were talking last week about this Edge interview that I did, and a lot of you tweeted in that you wanted me to put it on the show, so that's what we'll do this week. Uh, It's an interview with Edge that I did several years ago. It was right after his retirement from WWE. So a lot of the topics that we hit, I don't know, like we hit the Matt Hardy topic. uh, We hit the topic of him returning. We hit Some of these topics are not topics that I would necessarily go hard on today. I also am insecure about this interview because I did it years ago, and I feel like uh, I sucked. So, so, so if I did, give me a little bit of credit, okay? But I think it's an interesting interview nonetheless. Uh, I think Edge is one of the one of the better wrestling minds uh, to talk to because he's a fan of he's he's been a fan of wrestling forever since he's a kid, and he lived through he wrestled through a couple of different eras, um, and spent time on top of the company. Uh, that I think a lot of people don't give proper credence to. Edge's run as the Rated R Superstar, as the world champion and everything, was great. I mean, he's one of. He, CM Punk, and who else? I don't know. He and CM Punk may be my favorite, my favorite uh, 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 John Cena opponents of all time, ever, 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 ever. So I'm happy to talk to him. And the reason that we really talk about this is because he says he talked about in the interview that he wouldn't come back to WWE in a speaking role because he physically can't get touched. And that was what I was talking about last week uh, with John Cena, that uh, John. um, I'm not, not with John Cena. I'm sorry. I got confused there. I had a brain fart. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is a guy that you can't touch. So I wonder his effectiveness in his role as general manager. He's great on the microphone. He's a great talker. I love him on Talking Smack. I love his role. I just wonder about payoff sometimes. And we talk about that with Edge. That's why we're airing it this week. Let's get to it. Here it is. The Rated R Superstar, Edge, on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Edge is in studio. Uh, How's it going, man? Pretty good. You? Uh, very well now. Uh, you did Opie and Anthony earlier. Yes. How often? Because I was perplexed that Jim Norton <laughs> couldn't figure out, like, like the idea of what a ladder match even was. Well, but here's the thing. It's yeah. like if, if you're immersed in wrestling, mm-hmm. it's shocking that other people aren't. Yeah. But it's really just a small microcosm of the world. I mean, it really is <laughs> yeah. like a kind of a still a weird cult underground like rabid following but to people outside of it they they they, you know still think of cavemen with back hair in their underwear it's such it's a very polarizing because you're either you're either obsessed with wrestling and love it or you're like what it's like star trek i don't understand it all yeah star trek and star wars it's like you get it or you don't at what point does that does that become annoying as a performer it can yeah um to not have that like do you not? You don't know what I do. Like, did you? See, like, that's well, what I was thinking. I was watching you just destroy, literally destroy your body, and you got this guy who's over there, and you, that was ten years ago, and he's going like, I didn't even know that's what happened. But at least he was like, holy 
shit, how did you do yeah. that? You know, like at least there was that as opposed to, okay, so we know it's scripted and you really didn't get hurt. But uh, so you wrestle for this WWW thing and it's like, huh, <laughs> huh. at least do your homework a little bit. You <laughs> this know. is where it starts. Uh, yeah. Huh. And, yeah. I and then you have, to, you have to explain pro wrestling to exactly. somebody in and 2012. There's the whole interview shot. It's like, yeah. you're, you you know, where it's, it's nice walking into something where someone at least knows, you know, a little bit of your body or work or at least – even if they don't like it, watched something or read something or, you know. <laughs> well, you're lucky that you had a long career and yeah. that you were there when WWE was probably at its mainstream sort of peak. Mm. So people, yeah. if they're not watching now, remember you from then. Well, a lot of it, too, is I was doing it when when uh, people who are in power positions now were in college. Yes. You know. You're right. So it, it, they go, oh, man, I remember when you did the thing with Christian and, you know. And, it's so and they funny. Were, they were, you know, getting drunk in college watching us. You don't realize, like, how much time has passed until you look at what the fan base is. Because, like, I'm watching wrestling now yeah. and realizing that the guys that are coming up now are my age and were fans at the same time. Well, you know what I mean? Like, so they grew up watching the same guys. Well, it's weird. You know, uh, I I was kind of like a young veteran. I I ended up uh, kind of in between eras in the respect that, you know, I'd be wrestling guys that I considered kids, but they were four years younger than me. Yeah. Or five years younger. It's like, but I've been there for at that point, 13 years and and they've been there for three. So it's how old were you when you got uh, I signed signed. when I was 23. I started when I was 17. So wow. I started real early, and um, so that that helped with that process. I was kind of I was a veteran by the time I was like a veteran by the time I was thirty. Uh-huh. Towards the end, though, like at the end of your career, the last year or so, most of the locker room were guys that weren't around when you had started. Oh, you know what I mean? Out. Like that attitude era sort yeah. of generation. Aside from you know your big shows or your Mark Henrys or whatever, kind of all gone, especially on a full time basis. Mm-hmm. Did you realize, like, looking around the locker room that, you know, even before the injuries started stacking up that you were like, okay. Oh, yeah. There's a transition happening. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's like, like I said, not even necessarily being that much older than them. I I knew it was uh, from an experienced perspective and and from a, you know, physically beat up perspective, I was much more aged. Yeah. Um, You know, because you would. You'd look around and go, okay, well, there's Kane. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's Big Show. Him, yeah. oh, there's Mark Henry. Uh, all right. There's Christian. Uh, there's Taker. There's there's Hunter. And, and, and then that's it's it. like, whew. Yeah. Huh. Heard, uh, there's a kid that probably was, you know, in, in, in grade eight when I was starting, which doesn't make me that much older. But because you were so young when you started. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but, but the guys who you're working with were at one point fans of you. Yes. So it, make, it must be like a weird like. Yeah, a little, little surreal at times. Yeah. You know, um, um, yeah. When, when did you like, because you're, I mean, when you were your funniest, I would say it was the Attitude Era doing the Edge and Christian thing. But you could argue that, you know, and certainly most of your main event success and maybe when you were the most entertaining was at the end. What was funner to do? Was it to be like the psychopathic, you know, bad guy, main event guy, or was it to just be the goofy, giant cowboy hats uh, tag the, team? A, a bit of both. Yeah. And, and I always tried to try and keep a little element of the giant cowboy hat guy in there, mm-hmm. um, but I needed foil. Instead of being the foil, I had to have the foil now, you know, whereas like, 
you know, Christian and I could be the goofy guys for the, you know, Kurt Angle or, or Mick or, you know, and they, they were the, you know, the more serious main event guys. Well, now is the more serious main event guy and I needed like a Zack Ryder or, a, yeah. you know, somebody like that to be able to, to feed me. Well, that's a funny thing too. Zack Ryder just started as one of your like lackeys mm-hmm. and now he's a, he's approaching a main event level guy. Is that something cool for you to see or did you not even have a relationship with him? No, no, totally did. I mean, those, uh, you know, Kurt and Zach approached me about doing that whole thing. And uh, so, you know, I always feel like, uh, you know, same with Vicky. I feel like a proud papa. Yeah, yeah, because Vicky Guerrero is the single-handedly, because managing is dead. The the, the manager is dead in in WWE except for one. She was like this, the the timid, you know, general manager who wore a business suit and very straight-laced and, and, you know, uh, we were able to turn her into, you know, possibly the biggest heat magnet at one point in the industry. Yeah. You know, and I, I was like I was just saying I, it, earlier, I feel like, uh, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, I created the Bride of Frankenstein. I saw her come to life and it was it was so much fun to be able to be a part of that. And, and um, so I see stuff like that. I'm like, all right, they're doing good. Yeah. You know? Were you on? Are you relieved to not be wrestling anymore? Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. because I mean, you, you know, your style, you completely killed yourself, and yeah. but you were able to kind of get out right before, before it got your body would just fail you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before it got embarrassing. Um, yeah, it's a relief. It is because um, you know I I knew how I was feeling, you know, yeah. and and I knew what you know how I'd wake up feeling in the morning, you know, and and all of those things. So it, it made it easier, and it, it was a bit of relief. It's like oh. Okay, I can, because, and you had the doctor telling uh, you, yeah, the doctor said you can't do this at yeah, all, at all. And you, you know, said, well, I have no choice. I, I got no choice in the matter. It's like, okay, well, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, no, I can. Well, okay, you may think you can, but you can't. Right. So, and so, yeah. and is this something that is a forever thing? Like, even doing the, you know, so edge comeback match? No, you can't that, do it because you, you know, might get paralyzed. Yeah, yeah, and they, they, they wouldn't let me. You know, like. You know, I'm like, well, if I'm going to show up, at least have me do something. No, you can't. All right. Well, then don't have me show up. <laughs> Cause, Is that, yeah. Because if I, why bother? You know, it's like, and, and that's what's, you know, I've kind of uh, really distanced myself even from watching the product too much. It's like, well, I can't, I can't do it. So it's, it's. Is it, is it frustrating on one level too? Like, do you miss? Not really. Being out there, or you're you're no, good. I'm I'm good. I'm good. But if if you want me to come back and cut a promo and all this stuff, it's like I I can't really further stuff along too much because there's no physical payoff. Yeah, it's like nobody's going to get heat from attacking me because they're not allowed to attack me. Right. So, so you can literally just talk. Yeah. So why, you can't why? even you can't even take like a manager bumper no, at all. No, they they won't let me. I think I could. But yeah, but you had you know. this injury. Before it just you had to retire once no, it was diagnosed. No, it, it, it's different now. You know, um, I had ruptured my C five to my C seven uh, in '03, and so they went and they fused that. What I developed the eight years after that that I wrestled was uh, it's called spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of your spinal column. Right. So now what's happened is the spinal cor- column is narrowed to the point where I you're supposed to have like seven millimeters of room, I think, mm-hmm. on each side. I have one millimeter left on my right side i have none on my left so it's constantly impinging on my spinal cord so it looks like a straw being pinched from yeah. the front and um that's not good no that that, that but, means like somebody pats me on the back and is, is it gonna sever my spinal cord i don't know <laughs> good I guess. when the doctor told you how serious it was though 
did you think to yourself, like, holy shit, the last match that I just wrestled, I could have been paralyzed? Um, no. Like, because if I can't wrestle no, I tomorrow, never... <laughs> I shouldn't have wrestled yesterday, yeah, I never really thought of it like that, because in my mind, I was like, I got it. Yeah. You know, I, I always had the confidence in myself. Um, and, and if I didn't have the confidence in my opponent, the confidence to be able to protect myself enough to, to you know, get out of there. Mm-hmm. So do you, you know, as relieved as you are, you're, are you enjoying life now? Just yeah. relaxing, not yeah. being well, on the road. I never had that chance because even if even if I was off for an injury, yeah, I, I as soon as I got out of surgery, I was rehabbing, physical therapy. Yeah, and... I didn't stop. So it was straight to okay. What what do we got to do? All right, how long? Okay, you say nine months. I say six. Cool. I'm going for six. You know, with the because Achilles. You wanted to get back because I was like, to okay, got to get and... back. Got to do yeah. it. You know, this is what I do. So. uh this has been my first chance to go, oh, okay. I don't have to do anything today. I can just do what I want yeah, to do today. You're waking up like, what am I doing? There's not, a, there's not a flight to catch. There's not a, oh. And some people might be like, oh, I need to do something. I'm not that guy. You know, I, I don't need to do a million different things just because I'm not doing that now. Yeah. I'm fully content to read a book and walk my dogs. You're and able not to just be Wednesday. I'm okay with that. Completely adapt to not doing anything. I'm okay with that. And Thursday, it's mountain biking and another dog walk. I'm cool with that. You, I, but I, to I retire don't... at 37 is just an insane it premise is. for most people. But yeah. I guess when you spend those 20 years before that, it's not a, it's a very stopping. intensive, you know, yeah. uh, time intensive 20 years. You know, it's not like it's a. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working at the Gap from five till nine every night. It's like no, I'm it, it's and it's twenty four seven because you wake up, you catch the flight, you land, you go eat, you go to the gym, you go to the building, do the show, hop in the car, drive three hundred miles to the next one. You don't stop. You get that you know hour before you go to sleep in your hotel room at night to go. Oh, okay. So do you kind of want to pull Christian out and just be like, you got to try not doing this. It's great. <laughs> you have to see I, what I, it's like. I think he sees. He's like. Man, you have energy and like want to do stuff. Just I'm happy. Like, yeah, like, hey, you want to hang out? It's funny how feeling like a human is. You know, it. Yeah. Uh, it that being said, it, it's an awesome gig. I, well, mean, I mean, it's an amazing job. But it it was it was getting to be that time anyway. It's not you know as intensive, but doing morning radio, it's like you wake up every morning at quarter to four, and then all of a sudden you have a day off and you're waking up at eight o'clock in the morning and you're like what. It's life. Like, this is <laughs> what people live. It's yeah. this is strange. Oh, okay. Well, like, even, um, like, yesterday I was doing media, uh, you know, one day I was doing media down in Miami, and, and I'm used to waking up in my own bed now. Mm-hmm. So I woke up, had no idea where I was. I was like, what's going on? What? <laughs> Oh, Where so am I? You're so you're not used to traveling. So not used to traveling now that I, I woke up in a foreign bed and I was like, well, I don't like this. And I like it's... had the wrinkles on my face from <laughs> sleeping all weird. And I was like, oh, wrinkles on my chest. But it's stuff. only been a year. I know. I know. I got used to it pretty quick. Like yeah. I said, I adapted. I uh, Because cause I was bef- already preparing. I really was mentally. Yeah, you, you were know. ready. I, I was ready. And, and physically was forcing me to mentally prepare. Who did you want your last match to be against? Christian. You did. You wanted yeah. to, and were you looking towards yep. this year WrestleMania? I, I was looking toward trying to get to this year to wrestle him and have him retire me. Would, and would, that would be would be perfect. So, but yeah. but you don't have that thing in you like a lot of guys want to go out a certain way or want the story to end a certain way. You're like, that's hey. it. Well, and the way I look at it, it's like, okay, so uh, I had to retire as world champion with my last match at WrestleMania. 
<laughs> I'll take oh, it. That's horrible. Yeah. That sucks. What are you talking about? You, yeah, you, you get to awesome. You get to retire on top without anybody saying he's a dick. He wanted to retire on <laughs> yeah. top. Ah, he wanted to win in his last match. Yeah. What an asshole! It's no. like no, I just. I, I can't. What I, can I do, guys? What do you want Sorry. me to do? I'd put somebody over. I got Taking no problem. Taking the belt with me. <laughs> um, when did you see the transition happening to becoming like one, the guy, like you're the main event guy? Um, was it during the John Cena feud? Yeah, I it... think that's when it's like, okay, let's test the waters here. See what he yeah. got. And then I, I felt like I hit it out of the park. So it was like, okay. We, we can depend on him now. Yeah. And uh, we can depend on him to lead SmackDown while, you know, John leads Raw. Yeah. That, and that that's truly what it felt like. It seemed like you were launched into superstardom on the heel sense when you did what had to be the most uncomfortable storyline with the whole oh, yeah. Matt Hardy lead. Th- how, how uncomfortable was it to act out this thing that happened in your real life that you just wanted to, I would assume you just wanted to get away from. Yeah. <laughs> and you just wanted to like, yeah, I fucked up and let's move past it. And then they were like, no, everybody knows about it. This is too good. It, it How was, uncomfortable? Well, I, I understood it from yeah. a business standpoint. I always try and look at it from Vince's standpoint. It's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, I, I totally get it. I put myself in this position. So, you know, I only got my myself to blame. So, all right, you reap what you sow. So let's go sow it. But and were you able to, to get there? It. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Were, were you able to, like, in high, like, I can understand that intellectually, but just as a human being, were you able to be there? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I tried to commit to whatever I had to do on, yeah. on screen because that was the only way it was going to work. You know, and uh, and it really did feel like it was, you know, her and I against the world kind of thing. So that we, we felt that way. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to portray that on TV. Yeah. And but for those that don't know, there's a whole story on the Internet. He had, there was an affair and Matt Hardy's girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. They turned it into a storyline. Yeah. Just to bring everybody up to speed <laughs> without like, you know. Yeah, without assuming everyone knows the wrestling world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it, it was difficult without a doubt. Yeah. And, and I'd say that was probably like the most stressful point of my career from, from uh, just a personally taxing standpoint. But uh, I was like, okay, see it through, get past it. And, and, and really my mindset was I'm, we're here now, so I'm going to use this and, yeah. and try and if you want to, you know, think you, you, you think you know me, uh, <laughs> if you think you know me, I'm going to use this to, to fuel, you know, you want to hate me? I'll give you reasons. Yeah. And you it know. seemed like whether I always felt like it seemed like weathering that storm, was what brought you over to the next level where it was like, okay, let's try this out on a bigger level. And once you tried it out, you were there. I mean, probably I went, I've been to a couple WrestleManias live and your, your, your match with Undertaker is my favorite live WrestleMania moment just because it seemed everything just kind of came together. Like you were ready. Like I felt like that was that, you feel like that was a kind of a peak? Uh, yeah, that that was my favorite, you know, personal WrestleMania moment. Yeah. You know, just to, to okay, we're closing out WrestleMania. I'm going against Undertaker. Um, and it was kind of like the whole, you all was on, you were on an upswing until there. Is he ready? Is he ready? Is he ready? And then it was like, once you came out, it was like, yes. Uh, yeah, I you mean. You know what I mean? He's I, on that level. I, I think... Before that, they knew or they wouldn't have put me in that position. Uh-huh. You know, I don't think you put someone in the last match against Undertaker unless you already know. Just to try things yeah, out. Yeah, I don't yeah. that. You're past the trying out point at that at that juncture. Um, but, you know, for me, I was just like, okay, well, th- this is uh, an affirmation of, of like, 
uh, proving it throughout the years. It's like, okay, well, there's no doubt now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in here against him, and he thinks I belong. And and the guy who owns the company thinks I belong. You know, I made it. It took a lot of proving. Took a lot of diving through flaming tables. You know, with yeah. chips on my shoulder and yeah. all of those things. But you know that that was a validation for me. We, there was no point because even after the ladder matches and all the tag team stuff, when you ventured into the solo thing, I mean, you saying that just brought back a memory. Is when you started going through flaming tables and doing extreme stuff with you know Mick Foley and the ECW yep. guys and all that stuff. And did you ever have a point where you're like, I, I'm, I can't do that. Like this is no, I'm not gonna do that. No, I was very, I uh, had a lot of chutzpah at that point. You know, I was, I really, uh, you know, um, I had a fire. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, no, I'm getting there. Nobody's gonna stop me. I'm gonna keep doing ridiculous things until someone notices. You so, know, and and was it mentally straining on you when you said you had like you knew you had a year left? Mentally, you were done, or was it just like I understand there's injuries? It, it was. It was more of a you know a, a realization. In fact, it's like okay, you know, yeah. uh, mentally was I was I tired of travel? Yes, mm-hmm. but it was also because physically I was tired of the travel, and yeah. that that lent to the the mental tiredness. But it wasn't like I was like I'm done. I'm fed up. I can't stand this anymore. It was just like, ooh, I'm sore. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Um, how do you feel about going into the Hall of Fame so young? Um, I mean, normally I would think that, like, you would envision this as, like, a 50-year-old self, you know, yeah, doing that I, one day. And then they I, – I, I, It's kind of cool in the respect that I, I look the same as I did last year, though. So it's like I don't, I don't have to worry about being the, the fat, balding yeah. guy who's <laughs> yeah. being inducted. It's like, ooh, he didn't age well. Yeah. It's like as far as anybody's going to know – all right, I, I don't know how he's going to age because I'm not going to be on the Hall of Fame when I'm 50. You know, it, uh, it it's 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 cool. I mean, it's a it's a huge honor. Um, didn't expect it to be this year. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, I expected to be wrestling this year. So, yeah. um, uh, but if you'd told me, you know, at the beginning of my career that I'd be inducted, you know, not even a year after having retired, and that I'd be retiring at 30, you know, seven at that point, inducted by 38, you know, with the four horsemen. The, no way. So is your plan once you start aging and looking different to just disappear? Yes. So no, nobody, yes. nobody knows. Just look at the magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at me fondly, okay? Because um, <laughs> you probably won't see me a whole lot. It's done, and you—that's the beauty of it is that you've made enough money, and you've you know you main evented for long enough that I would hope, I would assume that you have enough money to retire on. Well, I was never uh, stupid with my money because I grew up without it. So, um, you know, when, when I started to, to make some, I was like, okay, well, first rule of thumb, I'm not buying it unless I got the money to buy it. So I have no debt. Yeah. I own three homes. I drive a Jeep. I'm cool with that. Did you watch guys squandering away their money and realize I'm, that's not. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to learn from it. If you don't, if you put the blinders on and don't learn from that, you're, you're pretty much a dumbass. I was talking to Mark Henry recently. He said the same thing. Like he was like, look, you know. I've, I've I've saved my money. I, my house is paid for. I have a car. Yeah. You know, I took care of myself, but I didn't go crazy yeah. and buy jewelry and yeah. buy, you know. I mean, I got a watch. That, yeah. That's it. And I, I do. I drive a Jeep and I got a pickup truck and I'm okay with that. You know, that's that's perfect for me. I, I got uh, I, I don't need anything more. Uh, the Hall of Fame. I um, officially become an old guy. Yeah, and then, and then Edge disappears forever. And, and then the next time you see me, I'm, I have birds nesting in my beard. And uh, how come you, you know, never got I, to? I always you came back 
for one Royal Rumble with the giant beard. Yeah, well, actually, and then you got rid of it. Well, I actually came back at a Survivor Series was once, that, and it was just yeah. big and burly, and and it was funny. Quick story. Yeah, we, we shot these uh, these ID things for like USA Network the night before Survivor Series. Well, no one's seen me in four months, so I come back and it's this big <laughs> cathedral and all this. Mm-hmm. I got a you know a toque on, big beard, wearing a flannel shirt, and and I walk in and everybody's giving me the stink eye. You know, and then I take the stuff off. I come back with my girl, and they're like, "Oh, oh, oh, how, oh, how are you?" And it's like, "Man, you just treated me like I was a bum off the street because yeah. you thought I looked like one." And now all of a sudden, you're gonna kiss my ass. Huh? Yeah. Um, but uh, and then I came back at Rumble from it. Any how injury come, I had, I just bleh, I'd go caveman. But how come you always end up shaving it once you're back? I, it makes me look a lot older than I already oh. look. <laughs> it's like I look at the mirror, and go, "Man, I look like I'm 55." Yeah. You know, so it just uh, I'll grow it again though. Now it just comes in patches of white, so it makes me look even older. I start looking like Merlin. It's perfect to disappear with that. Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, for hanging out. Uh, it's been fun talking. Cool. Stop by next time. All right. Thanks, Although man. you'll probably be disappeared somewhere. <laughs> Never see you again. Later. Here is Sam Roberts. So that was my classic interview with Edge. I'm glad you guys got a chance to uh, hear the whole thing. Parts of it are up on YouTube. If you do a search, maybe I'll tweet it out at not Sam. Uh, I do want to tell you about eating right because, you know, if you want to keep healthy, you got to eat right. And not all ingredients are created equal. You need fresh, high-quality ingredients that taste better and are better for you. It's important to know where your food comes from. That's why Blue Apron is the service to use. Uh, uh, You get uh, uh, meals whenever you need them. You know how to make them. You know what you're making them with. They've established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. So seafood is sourced sustainably uh, under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. You've got beef that's raised humanely. You've got free-range chicken. You've got naturally raised pork. Everything that you need uh, uh, to know that you're having a good meal that's also quite frankly good for the planet uh blue apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient ingredient required for a recipe so they're also also reducing food waste this is good this is very very good not only is your body going to feel good but you'll feel like a good person uh less than ten dollars per meal less than ten dollars per meal Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. They're home-cooked, so you're going to be able to get back in touch with your family. Your girlfriend's going to be impressed that you know how to cook and that the meals are actually good. Really. And you're going to spend less money. You're going to spend a lot less money because you're not going out to eat anymore. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best, highest quality standards. Highest quality standards. They've got uh, paprika, spiced shrimp, and cheddar grits with tomato and sweet corn right now. This is available in September. Um, they got a chicken stir fry with baby bok choy and sesame ginger cucumber salad. Uh, they got eggplant and chickpea dish with Islander pepper tomato and uh, couscous. They got so much stuff going on. You got to check out what's on this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. You're eating on me. Your first three meals are free and you get free shipping only if you go to blueapron.com slash Roberts. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Roberts. Blueapron.com. Blah. 
BlueApron.com slash Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S. Blue Apron, a better way to cook, and it's a better way to be, quite frankly. So, let's get into State of Wrestling. Um, I had my theories last week on general managers and Raw and SmackDown. This week, we get into uh, Backlash. We get into the WWE Network. There's a lot to get into in this crazy, crazy world of wrestling. So, let's do it. State of Wrestling time right now. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to this week's State of Wrestling. And I want to take a second of appreciation for WWE Network. That's what I want to start with. How amazing WWE Network is. They've been on fire, I guess, this week. I will still say my favorite show until once they air my episode with Holy Foley. That's going to be my favorite show on the network, I'm sure. But until then, my favorite show is still Talking Smack, no doubt about it. The stuff there, I mean, that's, that's, that's the perfect use. And they're using the network well on TV. Like on Raw, they go, oh, you know, they're, they're getting through storylines. And they go, such and such happened, and we found out about that on the Raw pre-show. And they air a clip that is some kind of backstage vignette or a Skype interview or whatever it is that happened on the Raw pre-show. Talking Smack always has something that relates to the show. So not only are you watching SmackDown and they're saying, it's supposed to be cyclical, right? That's the whole point of doing it. So not only are you watching SmackDown and they're saying, hey, this guy's going to be on Talking Smack later, but, but then you realize that while you're watching Talking Smack, the stuff that's going to happen on that show applies directly to next week's episode. This whole Miz thing, the Miz that we know right now, this angry, sort of passionate Miz, all comes from this character was built on the Talking Smack show, which people only got by watching WWE Network. But here's why I want to take, I thought that the peak of my appreciation for this thing was going to come. So over the weekend, it was my birthday. We had some people over and uh, obviously I'm going to get to decide the entertainment, regardless of what my wife says. My wife says, are we going to leave this on the whole time? I said, yes. I had people over the house, we played music, the whole deal, but the entire time, on mute, we were able to go through 1996 pay-per-views. And I did it chronologically, so we could see where it was going. And it was amazing to see, you watch back. So, so anyway, so I had people over the, over the house, and we started, I started in the afternoon, before anybody got there, with SummerSlam 96. And we went through SummerSlam, and then Mind Games and then Buried Alive, and then Survivor Series before people eventually started leaving. It was amazing to watch, too, because you look at it, and 96 is such an important year for WWF because the 96 SummerSlam, right, in August, still had a lot of that new generation stink on it, but there was this little bit cracking through that was what the future of the company was going to be on, and that little bit was not, I mean, Shawn Michaels in the ring is still amazing. He got angry a lot. I don't know why he was kicking Vader in the face so hard, but amazing to watch. But the storytelling, the Attitude Era was all about the storytelling. That's what it was based on. That's why it was so good. It was storytelling. And the storytelling that would be associated with that era was being used in the Mankind Undertaker Boiler Room Brawl. That was the beginning. It was something different. There was something different 
about that Undertaker Mankind story, about the match, about the whole thing. It was darker. It was grittier. And even though Mankind was this over-the-top character, so it still worked for that 96 era, there was something about it that was just dark and real. I think, like, the first character that was really an Attitude Era character was Goldust because he was actually provocative. It was sexual. It was, like, it was getting under your skin in a real way. That's what the Attitude Era was. It was, like telling these stories in a way that was it felt real. There was something real about it, so you related to it. So to see the 96 SummerSlam, Goldust was already there and everything, but this was after the Razor feud, so it had kind of cooled on him a bit. I think because they were worried about all the protests they were getting. You know, Glad and stuff like that was already upset about Goldust. But watching that Undertaker-Mankind story being told, that was the beginning the first few steps of the way stories were going to be told in that Attitude Era. And then you go through, and, you know, mind games, I don't know if you had the storytelling, but you had a match like Shawn Michaels versus Mankind that was just different. And even the Goldust-Undertaker match was a little bit different. It was a little bit, it was a little bit something special. You had Buried Alive, which was, you know, okay, you know, and the Buried Alive match would end up at least as a match. It was important as the first Buried Alive match. But... To move on to Survivor Series, that's where everything changed. That's why 96 is such an interesting year to watch WWF, because they were in the toilet. They were getting, that's when they were getting beaten by Nitro, the last half of 96. Um, and to watch, like, you know, the Undertaker-Mankind match with Paul Bearer in a cage, it still had some of that 96 cheese to it, but it was still a little bit real. Stone Cold versus Bret Hart. And that was the match. It didn't all, and, and they, they changed history. If you watch it, like, Austin 316 in June of 96 at the King of the Ring did not launch Steve Austin. I mean, there was a nice slow build until WrestleMania, what was it, 13. That Bret Hart match is what really launched it. And you're talking about June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. You're talking about nine months later when that match finally happened. So it wasn't this overnight deal. But still, that story, Austin and Bret, it was two men fighting. They really hated each other. That was when lines started to get blurred. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell what was real. Austin was flipping him off. Flipping him off. A year before you had Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Now you've got Stone Cold Steve Austin flipping Brett the Bird before the match. And you're like, what's going on here? What are we watching? And then, then, and this is to me what was... Probably the beginning of the thought process behind launching a group like DX was Shawn Michaels getting booed out of the building. Shawn Michaels, who was the white meat baby face of the company, everybody loved him. He was the boyhood dream. You know, a few months after the boyhood dream had been finally fulfilled, he was getting booed out of Madison Square Garden. And he wasn't doing what John Cena does now. He wasn't sitting there, you know, saluting and being like, freedom of speech, it's all good. He was pissed. He was visibly upset that that's how they were treating him. So I, I had such a great time getting to go through 96 in that way. In like a casual way. You didn't have to sit there. But like it, it was just so good to watch it and pick up on nuance that you never picked up on before. Uh, uh, and that happens when you watch it like that. Uh, so there was that. And it's Talking Smack, which I love. There's the Foley show. But there's the playlist. The playlist, the Hidden Gems playlist that they just put out, 
with the Buzz Sawyer cage match, with the uh, uh, there was a couple of the WWE house show matches. I was watching uh, Unibom, Isaac Yankum, Kane versus The Undertaker from Smoky Mountain Wrestling yesterday. That's it's it just so cool to find stuff like that because that match I had never seen before. I was a tape trader. I didn't even have that tape. That's what you're looking for on WWE Network, just those little things. So the Hidden Gems playlist is amazing. But then, then, to not just be a library, WWE Network is owning the fact that their mission is to represent all of wrestling as well as entertainment, right? So they have their reality shows, they have their missions. In my mind, I feel like Vince McMahon is a guy that wants to put on a show, a company, a whatever that uh, acts as an entertainment source for everybody. It's a little unrealistic. It's a lofty goal, but if anybody can get it done, it's Vince, right? That's what he thinks WWE is, an entertainment company for everybody. I think Triple H is probably under the impression that maybe they're not all entertainment for everybody, but Triple H is such a wrestling historian. He's such a fan of pro wrestling that he wants WWE to be wrestling. He wants to own the world, which I don't have a problem with based on what we're seeing. If he wanted to own the world and then lock it away in his own little case, then I'd have a problem with it. But the fact that we could turn on the network this week, turn on the Cruiserweight Classic, and watch uh, uh, the Brian Kendrick match, watch Brian Kendrick versus Ibushi on the network, I mean, and it, it, was, it was amazing, amazing. It was amazing to see. It was amazing on a couple of different levels. It was amazing that, that, that Kendrick versus Ibushi is happening at all, right? It's amazing to watch it. It's just a great match to see. But it's amazing that it's happening on WWE Network. That's one of those matches that, like, PWG would put together, right? And it would be, like, talked about for years, oh, you know, I was at this show, I was at that show, but you didn't see the Ibushi Kendrick match. Or Ring of Honor would put it on at their big, you know, uh, uh, last show of the year at the Hammerstein or something like that. As a, as a th- or they do it at the Tokyo Dome, something. And maybe I'm giving Brian Kendrick a little too much credit because I've always been a huge, huge, huge Brian Kendrick fan. But I really think that, that it's on that level of maybe before the match, it wouldn't be able to be hyped up all that much. But that's a match. The match that we saw, had it happened in an independent organization, the world would be talking about it like there's real wrestling. And now they've taken that spirit of there's real wrestling and they've brought it to the WWE Network. And I think above all else, that's what the Cruiserweight Classic is about. It's not about having cruiserweights. It's not about introducing a division. It's not about any of that. It's about that spirit that we all have when we scout out different wrestling organizations online. When we go to a PWG show, when we watch on the on the New Japan Network, when we New Japan World, when we go and see any of that, when we're sitting there watching a New Japan pay per view and enjoying it because it's something different, and it's like, whoa, there's this whole other thing going on over here. The fact that they have somehow and they've never been able to do this successfully before the network, WWE is producing a product that is different, that has that feel. They've tried it. They tried to do it with the NXT reality show. Didn't work. They tried to do it with ECW as an offshoot. Didn't work. They tried to do it with the initial brand split, quite frankly. They tried to make Raw and SmackDown compete the way WWE and WCW did. That was the thought process behind it. 
didn't work. Now, and maybe it's because you have different people running it, this Cruiserweight Classic is actually alternative programming. It's alternative programming the way alternative programming works in 2016, meaning it's not competition. It's not sitting there being like, oh, I'm going to watch this or I'm going to watch that. In 2016, content is consumed differently. You have alternatives, but you watch the standard and the alternative. You don't watch one instead of the other. Some people do, and some people can, but there's so much. You just watch it all if you want to. Everything's available on demand, everything, and that's that to me is what's so good about the network. So to wrap it up, to put a bow on it, as uh, my uh, sometimes co-host and always colleague Katie Linendahl would say, to start going through 96 and being able to analyze it like that, to go into that Hidden Gems playlist, and then to watch Ibushi and Brian Kendrick, like happening like right now, just, just an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. And I honestly think that the WWE Network is light years ahead of everything else. Light years. Like, as much as I'll sit there, so I'm watching Raw and SmackDown this week, and I liked SmackDown, and I was in my head very critical of Raw. I didn't love it. Uh, but no matter what's happening on those TV, like, I, I start, I feel so much better about the bigger picture of everything when I look at the network and how it's all being housed and what, what like, there's your big picture. There's why you can't be upset in because there it is, the big picture right in front of you. And you go, okay, I have faith in the product. I have faith in this. This is good. Um, you know, speaking of storytelling, I do want to get into this before we get into Backlash and Raw and SmackDown and all that stuff. Talking about storytelling, there's this, I feel like when I'm watching WWE and the way SmackDown and Raw were reformatted, probably Raw more than SmackDown, there is a lot of influence from UFC. And there are different things being done on the TV shows now to try to make it seem like a little bit more of a serious sport, let's say. And while it's important to get lost in it, and while you know you you want there to be a, you need there to be a suspension of disbelief, and you need to believe that the people competing believe it's real, you're not watching UFC. When I'm watching UFC, it's because it's going to be quick. You never know what can happen. Somebody could get hurt, and the better man's going to win, and blah blah blah. It's a totally different fulfillment than you get from watching pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is storytelling. That's what pro wrestling is. Pro wrestling is strictly storytelling. WWE, even more so than pro wrestling in general, is storytelling. So I don't know why anybody would compare it to UFC. I don't know why they would move their product in a direction like UFC, because UFC is not storytelling. UFC is an athletic competition. It's two very different things. And the reason that I bring this up is because I'm psyched that Lucha Underground is coming back. The new season of Lucha Underground is starting this week, and uh, I still have to get caught up on a lot of it because I have to watch on iTunes. I don't have uh, uh, the El Rey network. But I'm a big fan of the product because, to me, Lucha Underground has figured out new ways to tell stories, and they've put the emphasis on telling these stories, and that's why fans like it so much. That's why. Fans are so, you know, impressed by it. That's why fans talk about it so much. It's the stories. Now, they have 
all, if not more, athleticism than just about any organization on the planet. You know, their roster is incredible, but the way they tell their stories is what separates it. The way they tell their stories is what makes you go, oh, you got to see this, you know? The matches live up to the hype. You have to have great matches, of course. But the and I, I love, and if you go back and listen to the podcast we did with Rey Mysterio, you can hear it. The way, he talks about it, the way Lucha Underground tells stories is different. It's different and it's getting attention. And what Ray talks about is the fact that they don't, and this goes back to the conversation about how content is consumed. They're not looking to put WWE out of business. They're not looking to overtake WWE. They're looking to just be Lucha Underground. And that's the secret to the whole thing nowadays. It's just looking to do the show that you're doing. Because people have ever, now there's Raw and there's SmackDown, two different shows. And there's Impact and there's Lucha Underground. I would say those are the big four TV shows to watch. NXT, Cruiserweight Classic, obviously on the network. But those are the four big TV shows to watch on cable. Uh, I don't think that any of them need to worry about being better than any of the other ones. They just need to worry about putting on a better show than last week. They need to worry about how do we get eyes on our show, not how do we get those eyes on our show. That's what some people do, and that that was the old school way of thinking. How do we get their eyes on us? You don't need to get their eyes on you. You just need to get eyes on you. That's what Lucha figured out. Lucha is not trying to get Raw and SmackDown eyes on them. They're trying to get any eyes on them. If they're Raw and SmackDown eyes, great. If not, great. Any eye. You don't have to watch us instead of Raw and SmackDown. Just watch us. And that's, I think, the key to success right now in putting, not just in pro wrestling, just in putting on anything. Um, But I think Lucha's real success has been the fact that the storytelling on those shows has changed is changing, I should say, the way wrestling is done. There is no way you can tell me. I fully believe that the final deletion, arguably the most entertaining thing and one of the most talked about things that's happened this year for pro wrestling. I mean, it was a genius work by Matt Hardy, but there's no doubt. And Jeremy Borash and Jeff Hardy and, of course, everybody over there in TNA. But there's no doubt that that was influenced by Lucha the way those stories are told. I think TNA's storytelling devices are influenced by Lucha. I think Billy Corgan probably saw what Lucha was doing and said, yep, that is a modern way to tell stories. We need to bring a little bit of that in. It's not copying. It's not, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing at all. It's smart, as a matter of fact, to be inspired by different good storytelling and bring it into what you're doing. And that's what Lucha's doing. And obviously, you know, WWE is quote-unquote, been inspired by the final deletion, we saw that uh, train wreck that happened in the on the ranch of the Wyatts but with the New Day. You're telling me that wasn't impacted, no pun intended, <laughs> by uh, uh, the final deletion? Of course it was, which was impacted, this time all pun intended, by Lucha Underground. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Lucha has in store. Uh, I think that they have figured out a way to tell stories where they can have the wrestlers in less danger of getting injured. They can give the guys time off. They don't sit there and work day in, day out, which, you know, that's a different argument altogether. It's a different business model, I think. That's why they're not a billion-dollar company. Um, but the fact that they're doing something new, that's what I respect. That's what I like. So I'm, 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 I'm excited to see 
what happens for that. I also find myself, and I didn't before SmackDown, and maybe maybe this speaks to the strength of SmackDown this week, but after SmackDown, I was excited for Backlash. And I never knew, I looked at all the posters, like all the match lineups and everything. I don't know if you guys have seen the graphics. I never knew that every person on the SmackDown roster had such piercing blue eyes, but they do. I saw it on the Backlash posters. I'm pumped for Backlash. I didn't think I would be. I was worried about it. That's probably because I'm not used to two pay-per-views being promoted at the same time. I'm not used to a pay-per-view only being promoted on one show. You know, to only hear about Backlash on Tuesday nights is weird, and it's jarring at first, you know, because you hear about Clash of the Champions on Monday. But I'm watching SmackDown, and number one, this week, it was a better show than Raw. I know what I said last week. Last week, I generally felt like Raw was a more put-together show than SmackDown. But this week, SmackDown hit the mark for me, and Raw felt like they tried a lot of stuff. And I think Raw uh, had a whole bunch of stuff that was like, look good on paper, you know, and just wasn't executed right. Like on Raw, uh, there were a couple of things I didn't like. Um, I thought that like, uh, 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 first of all, I don't want to see Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns next week on Raw. The whole point in Kevin Owens being the champion is that it's new and fresh. There's all these matches that could happen with championship implications that mean so much more, right? That we just wouldn't have seen. The idea of Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins wrestling for the championship is amazing. The idea of Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens wrestling for the championship is amazing. All this stuff, but sort of, sort of pile it up on Raw is too much. You're going you're gonna to blow your load so quickly because, granted, it's not a title match, but now we've already seen the Roman Reigns match, and I don't want to see it yet. I want there to be a little bit of anticipation for it. What I would have loved to have seen next week on Raw, which I thought this is where they were going, and I was excited, but this makes no, this actually makes sense and helps to build a story nice and slowly and gives you some like, oh, what's going to happen, Juice? What's going to happen, Juice, is very, very important. Get Mr. Yaboo himself, Roman Reigns, because he is. I mean, the Yaboos for Roman Reigns were fierce this week. You guys got to be honest. If you hear that music and you cheer, don't turn that cheer into a boo. That's nonsense, and you're lying if you're doing that. Don't turn your cheer into a boo for Roman Reigns. If, you, if you're going to boo, boo. But if it goes, and you go, yeah, boo, boo, boo. No, don't do it. Don't be cool. You're not cool. Stick to your cheer. Boo the bad guys. Darn it. Give Kevin Owens what he wants. Boo him. I loved his You Deserve It speech, by the way. That, gold. Loved it. But what I want to see next week on Raw, I want to see, figure out some stipulation where it goes like, it goes like this. Okay. Next week on Raw, Kevin Owens, you will be in the ring with Roman Reigns in a tag team match. It's going to be Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. And everybody goes, oh my gosh. And if Roman Reigns gets the pin, he gets to he gets to have the match. If Roman Reigns can pin either Kevin Owens or Chris Jericho, because that way you don't have to have the Kevin Owens pin. If Roman Reigns can pin either Kevin Owens or Chris Jericho in that match, he gets he gets to be involved in the title match. But if Seth Roll- if if they don't win, if Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins lose, neither one of them gets to be 
in the title match. Which means Seth Rollins is not, because otherwise Seth Rollins would just sabotage the match, right? Why is he going to team? But now we get to see Rollins and Reigns having to team up. And if Rollins sabotages the match, he loses his title shot. The only way for Rollins to preserve his title shot is if he gets the decision over Jericho and Owens. And then Jericho and Owens are, of course, like, yeah, I don't want to wrestle either of these two guys. So they're going to try to win. That, to me, is the money match. That's your Raw main event. All these implications, everybody's in the ring at the same time. You get to see Kevin Owens and Jericho team up again, which is fun. The whole thing works. But instead, you got Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. That's like what you did with Roman Reigns and Rusev, and it didn't work. Okay, Roman Reigns versus Rusev on Raw for Alana's honor, then in SummerSlam for the title. Except on SummerSlam, it won't actually happen. And on Raw, <laughs> before SummerSlam, it will. Which brings me back to that. The Roman Reigns-Rusev story wasn't finished at all. What happened? Didn't, does Roman not want the U.S. title anymore? Has he extracted his revenge on Rusev? Does Rusev not mad that Roman was, was screwing with him so badly the whole time? I don't know. I don't know, but that's where I think that main event should have gone. Um, you know, I'm happy that Sasha Banks is not retiring. And I think she made the most of that segment, but I don't think the segment worked. You know, I don't think that there, there were no rumors about Sasha Banks retiring. So I think it kind of caught everybody off guard. Everybody was like, I don't, I don't think she's retiring. She's like 23 years old. I, I doubt that she's got sustained enough injury that she's already retiring. It would suck if she was. But then, like, she just announces she's getting a title match at Clash of Champions. And you go, okay, well, last week, Bailey, well, whatever it was. So, so Bailey shows up, and she stares down Charlotte. Then Bailey gets a pin over Charlotte. And then Sasha Banks gets the title match. Maybe they'll do a triple threat. But I was like, I don't, I don't understand what. I love Sasha Banks. She's my favorite wrestler still. But I don't know where she fit into this whole thing and why Bailey wouldn't be like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I was working on something before you got here. What are you doing? What are you doing? The other thing I didn't like was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Braun Strowman's first non-jobber match against Sinkara. Like, first, you gave, like, I, 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 I was certain that Sinkara's fate was sealed when he came out to that music. Because obviously he can't come out to the Lucha Dragons music anymore, but he didn't even get to go back to original cool Sin Cara music. His music is terrible now. <laughs> it's not good. But I thought that that meant that they were kind of done with Sin Cara. And maybe they still want to sell masks or whatever. But if you're going to spend, you know, a couple of months having Braun Strowman squash jobbers, have him destroy Sin Cara. How great would that look? What if he, un- I thought he was going to unmask him. I was like, that'd be awesome, and it would be unexpected, and it would make people talk. If Braun Strowman destroyed Sin Cara and unmasked him, instead he wins by countout, when, by the way, RefGate needs to be restarted, because I don't know what that referee was doing, but Sin Cara interrupted the count. Sin Cara rolls in the ring, Braun Strowman pulls him out of the ring, and the referee stays at eight. He interrupted a countout, so Braun Strowman who has been squashing people for months, beat Sin Cara by a, a poor countout decision. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. Well, I want to see, like, I want to see Braun. If you're, if you're good, do the Sid Justice thing then. Don't bring out Sin Cara and have him 
lose by a, a, a messed up countout, by a botched countout. Do the Sid Justice thing. If you're tired of Braun Strowman beating up a jobber every week on Raw, have him beat up two jobbers. Have three guys come out. Now Braun has to take on three local competitors. Have him beat all three of them. I think that'd be great. But to have him fight Sin Cara and just kind of squeak by him, he didn't, you know, dominate him. He won by countout. That kind of bummed me out. I'm like, what are we doing with Braun then? What are we doing here? What are we preserving Sin Cara for exactly at this point? You know, is he gonna is he gonna have a real future? I I, mean, I don't have a problem with the dude, but in terms of the character on television, I don't think that anybody is under the assumption that there are great things in the future of Sin Cara. So why not use this moment to destroy him? Why not use this moment to squash him? If you want to sell masks, you still got Kalisto, but you never put him on TV. So I guess you know doing anything. If you, if you could use both guys perfectly, if you squash Sin Cara. Terribly destroy him and then start using Kalisto more on SmackDown. You could still sell masks and toys and all that stuff, but I don't know. I don't know why that decision would have been made. And and I'll stop complaining about Raw, but the Gallows and Anderson segment, I felt so bad for those guys. I uploaded the entire Caroline show that I did with Gallows and Anderson and with Kevin Owens on YouTube. You can watch the whole show. I put it up. There's like 12 different videos if you want. You can watch short clips. You can watch just Gallows and Anderson. You can watch just Kevin Owens. Or you can watch the entire two-and-a-half-hour show, which to me is a fun watch. I would I would recommend that one. Um, it's the whole entire show, no cuts. But watch that. Watch At least watch Gallows and Anderson on it. And see, those guys are hilarious. That's why I didn't have a problem when they started doing... I didn't really have a problem with the testicle bit with the jars and New Day and all that stuff. I didn't have a problem with any of those vignettes. You know, I don't, I, I'm okay with them being guys who can kick your ass and make you laugh. I don't mind that at all. That's who they are. You know, that's who they've been for a long time. That's who they were in the Bullet Club. And it worked. But they got to be able to make you laugh. I don't know what the thought was with bringing out I understand that they're retiring people, but the New Day aren't old. So to bring out young guys dressed as old versions of the New Day, and just so you can make, like, poo-poo jokes, I don't think anybody thought that segment worked. You know, bring out real old guys. Make some awkwardness. Bring out actual senile old men dressed up as the New Day. That's funny. Maybe they can't take bumps, but that's fine. I mean, the, the segment wasn't made by anything, you know? So, yeah, I, yeah I, you could bring out old people and be like, and don't say, like, this is what the New Day is going to look like. Remember when, when, when the DX brought out the midget and the Bret Hart mask? They didn't say, oh, here's a midget dressed as Bret Hart. Here he comes. They said, that, that's Bret the Hitman Hart. And everybody said, oh, will you stop it? You know? That's what they, hey, here comes the New Day. Their New Day is ready for retirement. This is what they do. They get in the ring and they go, they go, you know, we retired the Dudley boys. You know who's next to get retired? The New Day. And stop qualifying it. Stop saying we're going to retire them as tag team champions. Who cares? You're villainous bad guys. You don't actually have to retire them. But say, we're going to do, we're going to retire the New Day. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do at Clash of the Champions. We're going to take their titles and they're never going to wrestle again ever. Who cares if they wrestle again? Just say it. It's much better than just saying we're going to retire them as tag team champions. Okay, so you're going to beat them for the titles. What does that have to do with the retirement? But be like, New Day's ready for retirement. This is what Gallows and Anderson can do, and they can pull it off. They're geniuses. New Day's ready for retirement. 
We're going to have them come out and let them know right now. Bring out the new day. Bring out the new day. And don't slow down the music. That was weird. It didn't make any sense. It didn't it didn't sound old timey. And I don't know what was they were going for with that. But bring them out. Bring out old people dressed as the new day. Fat guy for Big E. You know, not that he's fat now, but an old fat guy. That's funny. There's no old diesel guys, you know? So it's got to be a fat guy. An old guy playing the trombone. See if you can find an old guy with dreadlocks. If not, put a bad wig on him. That's fine. Or have it be a bald guy and say, oh, Kofi, I see the, 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 the dreads aren't exactly holding up anymore, huh? See, he's old now. He lost his hair. It's fine. But, like, actually make fun of old guys on the show and say that's the new day, not... Oh, this is what the New Day will look like in several years. Who cares? Everybody's going to look like that. I'm going to look like that. (laughs) Gallows and Anderson are going to look like that. But they didn't do that. So those are the things that rubbed me the wrong way on Raw. I'm so happy with Kevin Owens as champion. I'll tell you what I'm... I hope that the title is left on Kevin Owens. Here's what I think is going to happen. Kevin Owens won't be champion for all that long. I don't think he'll lose it at Clash of Champions. But I don't think he'll be champion for all that long. And I think Chris Jericho is going to cost him the title. That's what I'm really looking forward to. You know, I love seeing them team up. I think they're great together on promos. But I can't wait till Chris Jericho gets jealous and turns on Kevin Owens. Now, I would love to see that be a world title feud. But in in my gut, I think it will probably be an instance of Chris Jericho costing Kevin Owens the title. That's what will set them up. And then you'll have either Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns as champion, and they'll have their thing going on, and Owens and Jericho will have their thing going on. But honestly, I would love to see Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns in a main event feud with no title on the line, and then have Jericho and Kevin Owens feuding over the universe champion of the universe championship. I would that that to me is exactly where I would go. Either way, I'm quite certain we're going to get the Jericho, Kevin Owens stuff soon. You know, within months, I'll say. And I think it's going to be great. But it, I, I would like to see it. I would like to see it in, I think it'll be happen much sooner than we think it will. Which is, I would like to see it take a little bit longer. And I don't think it'll be for the title. However, I'll still be happy when it finally happens. Man, as I said earlier, I am excited, and it is weird watching them promote two pay-per-views at the same time, and it does it does take away a little bit from what we're used to. I think we just got to, again, got to get used to it a little bit. But I'm excited for Backlash, man. SmackDown got me excited for Backlash. I'm excited to see what the women pull out in this six-pack challenge. I think there is potential for cool stuff. I think there's a lot of ways they could go. Uh, if you're asking me, I think Natalia should be the champion. I think Natty should win that match. Uh, I think she's doing really well as a heel. I think she's got real venom to draw from. Um, I I think she's the one who should have that title. And she can feud with literally everybody. You know, coming off that show, I would love to see maybe, maybe her and Naomi are feuding coming off the show. And then you have Carmella and Nikki Bella feuding coming off that show. And then eventually you can have your Nikki Bella natty feud. Because imagine that. Imagine if Natty's the champion and Nikki Bella is challenging her for it. And she's like, Nikki, you've been taking away everything from me. Everybody watches Total Divas and they love you. Everybody thinks of the Divas Championship and they think of you. 
You're not part of the divas revolution. You're not part of the women's revolution. I should have been there from the beginning. Pull out some of that like Owen Hart, you know, uh, uh, little brother syndrome. Because Natty can pull that off. I'm excited to see what Natty can do. And the thought of Natty as SmackDown Women's Champion and saying, I deserve this. I should have been here. It's time. Now is the time to do it. And I, I that's 100% what I want to see. You know, and, and she can, there's not that many women on the roster. But I would, she can absolutely have great feuds with like Alexa Bliss, even though Alexa's a heel. Alexa can still, you know, she could, she could absolutely, she could do something with any of them. Any of them. You know, I would keep her away from Carmella because you want to build Carmella up as a bad guy, I think. And Natalia would not make that easy. But I would come off the pay-per-view with her and Naomi in a thing. And once that gets settled and once Nikki Bella and Carmella get settled, then I move into the big, maybe towards Survivor Series time, maybe around Survivor Series, have... Your big Nikki Bella, Natty, SmackDown women's title match. I would be very excited to see that. Very, very excited. Um, You know, look, I think Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton is going to be a really good match. I'm very excited to see it. I think the story's been told very well. I'm very, very interested in it. I thought the the Randy Orton's promo about the snake, I actually was very entertained by it. I thought it was good. Um, You know, I'm bummed because I think Randy Orton's going to win. I don't think that he would get two pay-per-view losses in a row, which bums me out because, you know, Bray is just back to being Bray, I guess. Bray is just doing his thing of getting involved in stories that are potentially compelling, and then they kind of lose their steam and he loses matches. That's just kind of the story of Bray Wyatt, and I don't know why that is. It doesn't have to be, but I'm a little bummed out that I think that's going to happen. Um but still, you know, I like Randy Orton right now, too. So, I mean, I'm at least excited to see that match. Um, I would hope that The Miz is going to keep the Intercontinental title. I would, I would hope that that's going to happen. I th- the, the Dolph on Talking Smack, he was good. Honestly, I like Dolph making fun of Renee Young more than I like Dolph trying to convince us that he's mad. Because he's, how mad is he? How do you, you're not mad for 11 years, right? Who's mad for 11 years? If you're mad at your job for 11 years, you've quit by now. Nobody stays mad for 11 years. And if you are mad for 11 years, then you're doing something wrong. That's your fault. If you're in a situation that you hate for 11 years and you haven't fixed it, that's your own fault. I don't, I think Dolph, and I've said this before, needs to embrace being a show off. Obviously, he's borrowing a lot from Shawn Michaels, Heartbreak Kid era, kick Marty through the window, Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels. That's, I think, who he's borrowing from. But for him to go out and having a you win some, you lose some attitude, like he admits to his defeats and he admits when he's wrong and he admits he's got to work on this and this has got to get better and no, I haven't won as much as I want to and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you can't, claim to steal the show and then when you get pressed on it turn humble you can't be a humble show-off that's why Dolph is like what is a Dolph Ziggler right is it a show-off or is it a a humble guy who's just trying to scrap his way through because you can't be both things and his tights they all say show-off and his, his his vibe makes me believe that he gets chicks 
and he show and he does athletic stuff and he's and he's a, a prick in the locker room and he tells everybody follow that and he does this and he does that. That's the character that I get from everything except his promos. When he talks, whether it's on commentary, whether it's on talking smack, whether it's any of those things, you know, I don't get that at all. Like if I'm Dolph Ziggler. At no point, I'm not giving the Miz credit for anything. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to talk about how great Apollo Cruz is. No, I'm going to sit there and put myself over every chance that I get. When they're like, "What do you think about this Apollo Cruz?" I go, "Well, you know, it looks like Apollo Cruz is trying to make it a long way, but he's not a show. He's not the show off." I'd say Apollo Cruz. He's got a lot on his plate. Number one, he's got to try to be better than Dolph Ziggler, and that's easier said than done. And then you make excuses. You make weaselly excuses. You know, like, you don't, you don't, you don't give guys their due. Well, you got to respect this guy. Not if you're Dolph Ziggler. If you're Dolph Ziggler, you don't have to have respect for anybody except yourself. You're the guy who steals the guy's girlfriend. What, what do you then talk to the girl about, you know, I'll bet he was a good boyfriend and I'd like to be better and I'm working on it. Like, what? Then why'd you steal the girlfriend for? So hopefully Miz, and Miz, I feel like, is locked into his character right now. So, and I think that, that the title does better with him than it would with Dolph, who, whether it's his fault or the writing, or I don't know what it is, but that's a little confused. Um, I'm hope, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Slater Gator uh, with Rhino is going to win the tag titles, right? There's a reason why American Alpha was taken out of that match, and that's so they don't have to lose to Heath Slater and Rhino. I think that that I would guess that the hype bros are going to lose again and that the heel Usos are going to be taken down. And by the way, I love the Usos as bad guys. I loved seeing them jump American Alpha. I thought it was good. I like, and I liked what they did on, on, I think it was either on SmackDown or Talking Smack. It was in that set. I like the Usos as bad guys. The evil Usos are good Usos as far as I'm concerned. I think that's cool. Uh, and, And the idea that, you know, they've been trying to impress the fans and now they're booing them and blah, blah, blah. It's perfect. I like it. I like where that's going quite a bit. I think that the Usos will beat Hype Bros, and then the Usos will uh, lose to Slater Gator with Rhino, and that will open that up to what we see in the future. I So here's what I think will happen. Usos lose to Slater Gator and Rhino. Usos chase those titles for a while. I think they'll get them, because I don't think Slater Gator and Rhino need to be a tag team forever. And maybe at Survivor Series, when you, whenever you get, or, or it's either Survivor Series or maybe you have to go a little further and go to the Rumble or something. But I think at a big show, you're going to see the American Alpha get their tag title win over the Usos. I think that'll happen in the future, whether it's at Survivor Series or the Rumble or something like that. I don't know, but I'm, that's where I would take it. Uh, and then the world title uh, should be on AJ, if you ask me. The world title should be on AJ. Ambrose is another one who has not locked into his character. I don't think. Uh, he's, he's just not locked in. I mean, and I go back to the podcast. I think the podcast that he did with Steve Austin did a lot. I don't think Steve Austin is entirely fair sometimes because I think that the company that he worked for is a different company. And I think he was given more freedom than maybe some of these other guys are given. But at the same time, if I'm the heavyweight champion, and Stone Cold is kind of pushing me and saying, you know, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. You're not showing enough heart. I'm going to get right in his face. I'm going to get in his face and cut a promo on him 
and take this as far as he wants to go. You know, just because you're on TV now and you got to show off, you're not going to sit there and don't again. Don't be humble like Dolph. Don't give everybody their due. Don't give Don't do that. Don't do it. You're a pro wrestler. You're the best, right? So, you know, hopefully this will be the end of guys. You guys know how I feel about guys getting hit in the nuts. I don't need to see it every week. <laughs> but, but, but I was glad, though, because, see, they did it right. Dean Ambrose is a good guy. He moved the ropes. AJ got crotched on it. Okay. AJ is a bad guy. What did he do? He kicked Dean Ambrose in the dick. That's what a bad guy does. Uh, yeah, so I think I think AJ will get the title, and that will probably lead to a John Cena return match where John Cena is going after that title. Hopefully, look, if they're doing things right, they put the title on AJ, AJ defends it successfully against John Cena. Then whoever beats AJ for it becomes a made guy. To me, that's the direction I would go in. John Cena is still invincible. You can't do anything to put him down. Um, but that's why, I mean, look, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for Sunday. I think backlash has the potential to be good. It's, it's fun to watch an experiment and it's a great experiment. It's the first, uh, single brand, solo branded pay-per-view. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know. It's not the most enviable position for SmackDown to be in because raw can learn from their mistakes a little bit, but, uh, I think it'll be good. I think I think the lineup's good. I think they've made the most with their roster. I think it's smart to take American Alpha off because that way they don't have to lose to Slater Gator Rhino. And uh, I'm pumped for it. I'm pumped for it. Um, I'm also pumped. Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm going to be seeing uh, Cody Rhodes do an independent date this weekend. Maybe we'll talk more about Cody Rhodes next week. But I'm interested to see what happens with Cody. I Honestly, like people are talking about, he's going to pop up in Ring of Honor at the end of the year. People are talking about him going to TNA. I really wouldn't be surprised if Cody Rhodes ends up in the Royal Rumble this year. I would not be surprised at all to see Cody Rhodes' face pop up in the Rumble. Hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to him soon. I'm sure he'll do the podcast before long. And um, Paige possibly leaving. I talked about it a little bit last week. I don't think it's a good move for Paige. Alberto will be fine. I don't think it's a good move for Paige. All right, let's end the state of wrestling there. Uh, I appreciate all you coming aboard. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at NotSam everywhere. And you can go to YouTube.com slash NotSam. You can see that entire Caroline's broadcast. Uh, or you can see it in clips. Whatever you want to do over at YouTube.com slash NotSam. And we'll see you next week here on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.